This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project that features artists and arts professionals discussing their work, ideas, and lives, offering listeners a forthright and unique understanding about the process, experiences, and people behind the artistic pursuit. My name is Joseph Hart. I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, long-form, and unscripted. Deep Color is independently produced and a free resource for listeners. You can learn more about this project and the artists featured by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. You can also access the archive of past recordings, find links to contributing artists' websites, check out the shop, and make a donation through the support page. Be sure to share this project within your community and rate and subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Your continued belief in Deep Color is incredibly important, and I thank you for your support. This episode profiles Graham Collins. Graham makes work that shifts between sculpture and painting and weaves together minimalist and complex structures. His tint paintings consist of monochromatic canvases, nearly hidden inside of custom reclaimed wood frames, fitted with glass that has been crudely covered in consumer-grade window tinting film. They play with layers of transparency and our ability to clearly see what we are looking at. Other bodies of work involve sections of flea market paintings that have been collaged together, geometric sculptures made from cast bronze junk food, and huge sections of above-ground swimming pools that have been altered and installed vertically on a wall. More recently, he's made painted objects that rely on ceramic supports that push off the wall, nudging viewers to consider the profile and back as much as the front. In all of Graham's ways of making, there is a love of craft in the foreground, sharp ideas, and a strong balance between concept and form. We recorded this conversation in his kitchen in the Fort Greene section of Brooklyn. It's like a cliche or whatever, but you're yeah. making visual art. I, I like really, f- f- I, I've thought a lot about it, and I yeah. feel like if I'm going to make visual art, I want it to be something that needs to be uh, experienced visually. For sure. You know, like that's... Yeah. So you can talk around it. Yeah. But it's like if you can really succinctly just say what it is, then it's it's maybe. Yeah. It, that, that's like added context. It. And, you know, I sometimes think about, you know, and this might sound a little saccharine, but I think about my dad quite a bit. Um, he's not an artist. He doesn't. He supports art and he appreciates art. Um, he has a lot of discomfort around contemporary art. Um, for all the reasons most people have discomfort. What is that? I don't get it. I, I love the, re- yeah. I love that. But. I, I don't get it. I f- like, I feel like I can't participate because I don't get it. This looks like someone that doesn't, didn't study art made it like this whole, like, uh, uh, like ability and rendering thing, which is such a 20th century idea. Like, you know, the cliche is like, it looks like a kid made that. Oh, yeah, like, my you kid know, could do it. Or my, my, my father sometimes falls into that category of, of art viewer. And sometimes I think this project is me, like, trying to square that. Like, wait, you don't have to be too terrified. Things start to fall apart when, like, people fucking duct tape a banana to the wall and sell it for... Oh, God. Right? I don't, like, know. I don't that know. whole thing. Like, get into no, it. no, no. Um, but... It's so complicated, but yeah, yeah. no, I, lo- I love that. But it's also, um, you know, a lot of people just don't care about art or it's like yeah. way, way down on the list. Yeah. And that's why. And it's like, I think as, um, 
art people or culture people want to it's sort of it's like analog to to just the describing visual stuff it's like you try to come up with this like complicated there's a lot to be said about it but at the same time the answer is very it's like they just don't care and they yeah you know what that's totally um they're they're right not to care yeah yeah it's like not important to their yeah. like not i'm not talking about your your dad, no for but, sure but for sure. Um, but within a value system yeah it's okay it, yeah they're right not to care um it has very little function outside of maybe improving the quality of one's daily life like as an object that you walk by maybe think about yeah but yeah the whole market thing is a whole nother can of worms that like gets in the way well that's another which is analogous to like the the skilled drawing thing is if it's you know they both can't comprehend they i don't know who they is but people can't comprehend how you know a drawing can be worth two million dollars but at the same time if your drawing isn't worth two million dollars then what are you doing with your life yeah 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 the other thing like i've been thinking about is how we how the economy in which we were kind of brought up in and when you put a lot of time or effort into something, be it, be it school or the job, be that an office job or you're a landscaper, you put in the time, you, you go through the course of a day, whether it's, and it's usually some sort of labor, and there's a return to that. You get paid for that. The same cannot be said for contemporary art. You can put in the time and a lot of labor over the course of a lifetime and there's no fucking paycheck for that at the end of the day sometimes. So there's a disconnect. Absolutely. Thing. But, and, uh, and also just to like dovetail back with what I was saying to, to be clear, I think like that's the whole, that's like the tricky thing that you have to wrap your head around with art and, and what I think it's um, absolutely vital. And like, yeah. I mean, I'm an artist. It's like one of, it's what pushes, propels culture forward. You for know, sure. it, it's, totally invaluable um and i and i think people everybody does understand that but that's what it's more like you 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 can't necessarily you don't necessarily get what you want or expect out of making art or viewing art and you don't like viewers aren't going to necessarily get what you insist that so it's that insistence on a specific outcome or yeah yeah meaning or um yeah a viewer's experience that can be tricky it's a weird emotional package because I think, I mean, there's days where I'm like, is this a choice? Am I making a choice to make this or do I have to make it because I've been doing it for most of my life and it's just like part of my heartbeat or something like that. Yeah. Um, I love deadlines though yeah. for shows actually, which is, I don't know how that I really, cause I, I, on the one hand, it's my whole life that I, I have been making art forever and I do it all the time. And I work very hard, but I also love feeling like, well, I gotta, I'm just working all day. That's, I have a show coming up or I have to ship something in two weeks. So I just, I have to do this today. I agree. I, I think I work best under a deadline. And feeling like, uh, like I kind of don't want to, like I yeah. want to like watch TV. Yeah. But, you need something to kind uh, of push up against. Yeah. If it's, I mean, it's similar in the classroom when I'm teaching. If I give students like a kind of open-ended thing, they flail. Yeah. Or a majority of them flail. I think having an edge to go up or like a wall to push against in the form of a deadline or some sort of structural parameters. Yeah. Or maybe some like some obstacles, like you can't use the color blue, for example, (laughs) like that can lead to interesting results sometimes. Um, So yeah, I think, you know, we're we're talking about a deadline here. I I, I agree. I think that's a good thing for me. Um, I thought we could, like, I'd like to talk about something other than art kind of out of the front here. Okay. 
um, and it's something I've been thinking about, and that's routine. And I was thinking about my routine, the one I have versus the one I want. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, and just this morning, I was like realizing, and it was my weekly routine that I go through, and I, it's like the same, just about the same thing. How much conflict I deal with at the front of my day. And that's primarily because of I have two children that I have to like battle to get their shoes on and eat breakfast and stuff like that. But it's like this constant little bit of conflict. And then after I get them to school, the first like 30 minutes in studio is like recovery from that. Like I can't just get into work. So my routine is like fight, calm down, remember that I'm an artist and and then try and figure out how to be that artist. I'm wondering if you have a daily routine that sort of sets sets the tone for the the day moving forward for you and if is if it's something that you've fallen into or that you've directed or maybe it's a mix of those things it's to it's absolutely a mix i mean i and also i've been moving over the course of the last like four months so i'm really my routine is has been uprooted but um well, I'll tell you what I, w- I was in LA in Long Beach for three years working. I had a, a pretty clear routine there, which is I would get up, have a cup of coffee, five hundred push-ups, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not at all. But um, uh, no, you know, let let my dog out, um, have a cup of coffee, and really just sit for a while and chill, collect my thoughts. Often pretty early seven thirty a.m. Um, and then um, I'll bring Jenny coffee every day. That's like that's probably the one real consistent thing. Yeah, that sounds kind of idyllic. It's like a slow, s- slow walk up until maybe making or starting to think about using your hands. Like there's a, it sounds like there's a like a uh, like a meditative period with the coffee. Completely, yeah. And you can carry that over into walking the dog. I also, and no then matter, a little act of generosity with bringing Jenny a coffee. I mean, that's a nice little. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, even this, I'll have coffee and then I'll go in Long Beach. I do this every. I I decided to stop doing it and then immediately continued doing it. But I'll go and drive to a Starbucks, get a coffee, and then come back to the studio and and go to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caffeine at home. I was I was yeah. working at home. Yeah. So uh, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, what about? I mean, if you could wave a wand, is there like an, I mean, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but is there an, an ideal routine? Like if you could become that person that you, you think you should be or that you want to be and like it's this, 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 and this, or are you completely comfortable with the routine? Completely the comfortable. Good for <laughs> oh, you. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I mean, I, um, I've got an itch. I'm always like, I think I need to be doing things differently. You know, a couple of years ago, we started making smoothies at home. And so we have like a really, a really green, like healthy smoothie incorporated into it, which has, it has at least like a placebo effect of me feeling like I'm taking good care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. You know, one of the things I was looking forward to talking to you about is what I see as your love, uh, as an artist who loves materials, you strike me as an artist that loves using different things to make work. And you also make work a few different ways. You know, we can talk about, I mean, I think the first time I saw your work were the, was the show at Soloway. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and, um, wait, which show? I think the first 
one that you had that you, where you laid out brick, brick floor, brick, right, brick yeah, floor. Sure. And those had the window tint vitrine paintings. Can I call them that? What would you call those window tint works? I say tinted paintings. Tinted paintings. Yeah. Or so, tint paintings. Right. So there's the tinted paintings. And then um, I saw more like uh, overt vitrine objects with paintings inside the vitrines that also had tint on them. Um, I'm thinking of the journal show. Yeah. Um, and then I saw s- s- painted above ground swimming pools that were sculptural paintings that were huge. And then I saw these uh, um, kind of flea market collage paintings where you were buying hundreds and hundreds of like flea market oil paintings and cutting them up and sewing them back together to make these paintings. And then uh, through it all, I was also seeing um, cast bronze sculpture usually made from tools like toothbrushes, if I'm remembering correctly. And then also, for lack of a better term, junk food. You're, you're casting Doritos, you're casting onion rings, and then kind of collaging these geometric forms into wonderful sculptures. And now more recently, you're making these ceramic object paintings, which we'll, we'll talk about in more detail. But I'm wondering if, if you can identify a through line that connects these things, whether it's conceptually or approach wise. Um, I feel like I see one, but I'm curious to hear what it is in your brain. Oh, right. I'm curious what you see, but um, I mean, I think there absolutely is, but also I've been asked this before and I always like to add a disclaimer. That's I, I, I don't know where it became like the, the point of, like the arc of an artistic career to have a through line from one project to the next. Cause yeah. I do, I do. I, I mean, I absolutely, I, I think about a through line. I see a through line. I'm like really aware of it, but I also view each, each project like to, as, as a totally discrete project and, and oftentimes a show itself or even like an art fair installation or a contribution to a group show. I'll, I'll consider like both in making the work and in, how how I'm conceptualizing and how and how I'm contextualizing it but the through line is you know for me it's uh like I like I was saying to you earlier one thing is I, I have some like basic things that I want visual art to be which is like visually driven I want the meaning to be visible mm-hmm. if if not you know instantly apparent mm-hmm um, and I want it to do you know I want to work with form and color and the the things that are intrinsic to to visual art and only visual art, you know, things that only visual art can do. Um, and so taking that as like a starting point, which I, I don't even remember when at some point I did really in, intentionally, it's sort of like maybe even taking like a reductive approach to that and saying, okay, the, this is what I'm going to focus on. So what are like the basic elements of a painting and how do I spotlight those or tweak them or um, and I, I, you know, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about it and I like geek out on certain aspects and that's where a lot of like the, the creativity is maybe. And it's, it's, um, I can go down and that's where, that's where there's differences, right? It's yeah. like, each, yeah. however I, I, I do geek out on it. Um, and then I like to come up with a sort of system, systematic approach that, lets me go into the studio and just like have fun and make art, which is the other thing I really like about art is I want art to be like this fun. Yeah. Like a fun activity. Yeah, right? No, I agree totally with this joyful pursuit. Like, and that, I think that's one of the three lines I see in the work is this 
real love for materials and using your hands. I mean, the like um, this, you know, I use this term craft quite broadly and just how things are made. And then also like a maker behind the things as opposed to a machine or a, a secondary group of fabricators. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you strike me as someone who's interested in like using tools, using materials, mixing and combining materials that might not necessarily aren't designed to go together in a lot of ways. Um, so it's this love of touch and feeling and connecting things in like with the material you're using. Another thing that I sort of have noticed is, and this is maybe more in the conceptual realm is this kind of like, uh, it leans into the, like these socioeconomic things. I'm thinking of the, the, like some of the titles that you use, like the show civic and the window tint things. And, and like, these are signifiers for like, um, groups of people, like and class structures with like those that, that put, you know, the, the window tint film on their cars themselves. And it's kind of cruddy. And, um, I'm thinking about people that, uh, have above ground swimming pools and how those are a class signifier. And I, as a viewer try, because I grew up around a lot of this stuff, like I try and reserve judgment or pigeonholing. Like I think the human condition is quite complex and like these signifiers can transcend at a certain point and they, they are cliche. They are stereotypical. They are judgmental. They are, um, accurate. They are inaccurate sometimes, but these are some of the ideas I think about when, when I look at your, your tint paintings and the swimming pool stuff, or even the, the junk food sculptures like onion rings and like the stuff you get at the corner store. It's affordable food and you're making these really elaborate forms out of them by connecting them in interesting ways. Um, so that's an, something that I see as a through line. It's funny, I, you know, we're looking at some of your ceramic works now and I like that, that idea is actually not connected to these for me as a viewer. Maybe, maybe they are <laughs> for you, but, um, and there's also this, this notion of like a complicated minimalism for me as a viewer. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like, these are minimalist in a lot of ways, but they're actually really complex. And your work is always making me want to like, I mean, the wall works, you can't really do it unless the, there are these new ceramic pieces that kind of come off the wall and you can peek behind them. But I'm trying to like look behind them and like see into them and see the, through the transparency to see what's behind it. Sure. Or even your raw wood frames, like trying yeah, yeah. to like even see the how, tin paintings. I think yeah, there's, there is yeah. like multiple layers that are yeah. kind of like in the, you know, right, right up, push, push the surface. Yeah. And I, I like it when there's, yeah, when there's sort of like more and more there, if you, if someone wants to spend the time really looking at something, analyzing it, there, there's, there's more and not less. For sure. Like there's surprises in there. Yeah. If you want to spend the time with it, which is really nice. The other thing, and I think we texted about this and it's something that I, I think you're very successful at doing is balancing form and concept. I think you straddle those two wonderfully. Um, you know, I just went down a, a, a short list of ideas I think about when I'm in front of your work. Sure. Um, but the objects themselves are just wonderful. They're crafted amazingly. Um, there's a sense of beauty behind them. And I'm wondering how you navigate that. Uh, cause that's something that I think at least I'll speak for myself is like, I, I, I have a hard time like breathing like a, um, a really well thought out concept into the forms that I'm working with without it like being too literal or something like that. Um, how do you, how do you, 
how, well, do you, how do you balance those two things? Right. I probably, I try not to think about it too much and yeah. it's more like, um, I really, I mean, it started when I was working jobs, you know, full, full time and didn't have a lot of time in the studio, but I had a plenty, I could think about whatever I wanted. Um, so I, like I said, I, I was just sort of like obsess about different aesthetic formulations or like d- hypotheticals. Mm-hmm. Um, and just through that, like stuff, you, I, I, there's no process that can bring you to it, but you just come up with ideas and I know when it's a good idea. And I, I also, I, I don't really keep a sketchbook or a notebook, but I, I and I like to do it. Be, I like to not keep it so that I can, you know, I, ideas that stick with me that I remember and I can really sort of flesh out fully before even stretching a canvas or like trying to, to make it are the, are the best they're, they're yeah. when I get to. It. And I like that idea that it's like, I know this is whatever it looks like or is, I already know that it's going to be good. Like I, I, it's an artwork that I want to see. You can already see it before you make it sometimes. I, the, no, the opposite. I just know it's worthwhile. Oh, okay. To, like, okay. So I, so then I don't, when I'm in the studio, I'm not second guessing myself or right. trying to be like, well, how do I render this the way I was feeling or right. something? Right. You know, it's, it's a, a moot point. Yeah. That's well said. You know, I, I, I listed some of the bodies of work that you've made in the past 10, 12 years, whatever it's been. Yeah. And I'm wondering like when it's time f- for a new project, I mean, obviously you can like, you could develop a new strategy or a new system to make something, but is there a moment where you're like this project, I'm going to make this type of work, this or versus the window t- or, or like, when do you digest these things out of you? And you're like done with that chapter or they can, do you I've allow never, them to come back? Yeah, to- I totally allow them to come back and I've never done the thing where I'm like, okay, now this is over and I'm not going to, um. But it's more the opposite. I mean, like I said, I'm real. I'm fortunate. Like I have, lo- I have a long list of projects that I want to mess with, and and honestly, I mean, probably a lot of them are bad ideas, and I'll be saved from from embarrassing yeah. myself. Yeah, with them. yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, in general, I and so I wait until I either I have like a specific workspace situation. Like I've I've had the opportunity to set up a studio maybe four or five times in the past decade. And each time I sort of reevaluate what I, what I do in there, you know, how I want it to be, what I want to make, or if I have a specific exhibition Mm -hmm. coming up, I'll, I'll totally make work towards a show and with a space in mind or a city in mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are great nudges too to sort of steer an idea. Totally. And yeah, again, it's, it's usually an idea that I have. And then I, I'm like, okay, I have a show, um, at Halsey McKay, that's a good opportunity to show this body of work that I've been thinking about for a year. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, the other thing I think is clear for me as a viewer is, you know, you're weaving together um, approaches of, uh, that a sculptor uses uh, uh, and then also approaches that a, a painter would use or someone that makes drawings and, and you're sort of hiding or they change places. One's in the foreground and one's sort of behind or, and vice versa. Um, I know that you studied sculpture. Can you pinpoint the moment or do you have any analysis behind, you know, sort of toggling between those two ways of making or ways of thinking about a work of art? That might be a heavy well, which are, question. Which are the two? No, I think I know. Sculpt, sculptor, sculpture, sculpture and, painting? and painting. I mean, because sure. you kind of dance between those two. 
um, yeah, it's so interesting. I think about it a lot. I don't even know if I have like a really <laughs> succinct response, yeah, but it's, it's I studied sculpture. I wanted to, I was making a lot of paintings in college, like uh, undergrad. Yeah. Um, I've always made paintings. And when I decided to go to grad school, I think sculpture departments were attractive because they, not because I love sculpture per se, but they seem more open-ended and open to like experimental approaches to, you know, like I, and I, I like, like I said, I like like hands-on art, man. I want to yeah. make stuff. I just like, that's what I want to do. Um, so I didn't want to get into a more like post studio environment, yeah. but, um, and when I was, when I was in school, I was making sculpture. I didn't make a single painting. And then almost immediately when I got out, um, I mean, I kept doing, I kept doing that, but the first, so the first like tinted painting I made, the first thing was a cure poster in a frame I made. Mm -hmm. It was a very sculptural approach. It was right. a found object in a frame. It was sort of about the the work of making the frame. The frame was from... Uh, like repurposed crate materials. Uh-huh. So it's kind of raw. Um, yeah, yeah. It's the wood's plywood. always kind of raw in your frames, I feel like. It's never pristine. Right, but, yeah. but this was even like, it was like pretty crappy. Yeah. Um, I love it. But, uh, and then I, I, it just, I had the thought like, oh, you know, it would work really good. And at the time I, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll do a bunch of, like a, a bunch of different objects in tinted frames, like t tinted different things. It was more about the object. And, and the first thing I thought of was a monochrome painting because a painting, I was reading a thing that Joe Fife wrote about Stanley Whitney. And I think actually he's talking about Mary Heilman in this, in this passage, but about a painting as the all encompassing philosophical unit, hmm. which it is. And that's the thing, you know, it's, it's this, like, it is a painting. It can do all the things a painting can do, but it's also a, a stand-in for just the art object or the philosophical object. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and for a little bit more context, I want to I want to describe one of these tint paintings. As I remember, we're not sitting in front of one, but you you build a kind of a raw wood frame that has a piece of glass on it, and then in the frame is one of these monochrome paintings. That, if I remember correctly, you were just spray painting a canvas. Is that accurate? Yeah, they're mostly the, just spray paint. The, yeah. the canvas that are inside these frames. And then on the glass, on the interior of the glass of the frame, is the window tint material. And it's never evenly just, uh, applied, right? You've got all the air bubbles and the creases, and there's like wonderful gestures in there that become very painterly or almost like a drawing in a lot of ways. Is that a fair description of those tint paintings? Am I leaving anything out? Sure. In a handmade frame yeah, from reclaimed wood. I don't right. know if you said that. Yeah. I said raw wood, I think. But yeah, you're right. I like yeah, it's it's always reclaimed wood. In reclaimed the painting wood. ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, those those I think those were the first things of yours I saw. Yeah, they're the first things that most people saw. Yeah, yeah. Um let's pivot into this the work your most recent stuff, which are ceramic paintings. Is that a fair title for them? Or description? What do we call these? Yeah, it is. I, I like to say ceramic supports. Ceramic supports. I feel like when you say ceramic paintings, it it sounds like it looks like some looks. It's it doesn't look like that. Sure, sure. Can you describe? I, I want to hear you describe one uh, to a listener. <laughs> I mean, this yeah, is the exercise, yeah, yeah, right? Absolutely. So, so describe one of these to a, to a listener. So it's a minim minimal. They're predominantly monochrome paintings on a 
canvas right and or wooden surface that's attached to a ceramic support like a, a piece of veneer i think right you yeah you it's wood veneer wood veneer that you or or uh right or just a, and the support the support is the what takes what would replace the stretcher frame of a painting right yeah it's like a stretcher or a, or a yeah a, i mean it's ceramic but like a wooden panel right 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 yeah they're 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 really incredible they have a weight to them they have a profile i feel like you really thought about the profile of these works where some are coming off the wall a bit more than others and you can kind of see this little universe behind them um contour i feel like is always something that jumps out with some of your works too like you're you're not always working in four right angles or sometimes a cutout or like sometimes a, I, I even if i try to yeah right um so like rhombuses and things are always kind of popping up so again it's they're like sculptures they're objects but then you're treating the surface like a painting yeah you're painting over these wood veneers that you're do you glue them down to the ceramic how do you how, are, how yeah, is everything w- sticking to the ceramics yeah it's, it's glued yeah the wood is glued with like a vacuum press Mm-hmm. So they're they're basically flat, but none of them are perfectly flat, and yeah. some of them are actually pretty rounded. Right. So to get a good bond, you got to really right vacuum it. And there's some other things happening inside. I mean, this one right over your shoulder looks like brush and oil paint, um, just right on the on the linen surface. This one over here, we were talking about earlier. You've 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 taped off a very specific couple of lines. Um, that are almost ghosty, right? They're not in the foreground. They're very kind of like subdued, pushed in there. But there are there are these little like deliberate mark making strategies on the surfaces of these. Um, I guess I'm wondering, you know, you're spending so much time building the support and firing it, and then there's like a waiting period while that's being fired. Is there a plan for like how to treat the surface? Is that informed by the ceramic support that you've made? Um, it's informed I mean, by a two. I, I want to be careful not yeah. to say that there's a step one, step two, step three, but I'm just curious, like how these come to be, and and kind of like when the surface, the thing that the viewer confronts first, happens, because it's almost part of me that, that that's the last move. Actually, the thing we see first is the thing. Well, it's, that happens it's definitely last. the last move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which I like, and yeah, I mean, I love that some of the. Um, some of these works, the support is literally like years in the making just yeah. um, because of logistics or laziness or just timing there. Yeah. Two years, you know, start to finish and then it's painted in yeah. 20 minutes, um, which I love. But, y- you know, like, like I was saying, it's, throughout those two years, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about what um, sort of like image this this support is going to hold. And I do. I'm trying to think about them that way because it's something that I haven't really engaged uh like directly is like painting as as holding a vessel for pictorial space right um and so that's why i'm trying um yeah kind of different approaches to like a a a reductive approach just like the the littlest gesture that makes it into a picture yeah yeah and there's a a million different ways you can do that yeah i could bridge that back into this term I threw out earlier, this, this complicated minimalism or something like that, because these are actually quite complex, but the gesture can read as like kind of quick and immediate on the front. Does that make sense? Oh, it is quick and immediate. Yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But like you said, like the support took years to kind of realize, which is kind of nice. Right. And I have this, it's, um, it's something I tell myself, I don't know (laughs) if it's true, but I, I, I like this idea of, um, 
it sort of goes back to what I was saying about conceptualizing a project. Yeah. And just this idea that if the right amount of thought and labor is put into this support, that it sort of justifies the painting's existence. So it can justify this very light touched effort. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here, yeah, here yeah. you go. No, that's that's well said. But I, but carry it, you know, and like yeah. literally support it very yeah. well and back it up. Yeah, I like that. It's like honoring labor in a way with, you know, the 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 facade of the thing is almost like the gift to the labor behind it or something like that. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I, I wanted to bring up about this new body of work, and maybe maybe your, your work in general is, is how you title them. I know this, this body of work is named after areas in the Washington, D.C. area. Is this accurate? Yeah, well, I have a show. Well, the right, show, the show right that's up at Halls and McKay. McKay yeah. Exactly, is all that, yeah. Um, Which I did, I did for... More for the show than for the body of work, oh, okay. obviously. But I, I like to do that. You know, the titles, I like them to sort of, um, sometimes they're, they're almost like red herrings. Yeah. Or that for the, the actual sort of visual content of yeah. the work to push up against. Yeah. Well, it's also a little 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 salute to your biography because you grew up in D.C. Absolutely. I sort of saw that. And then like thinking back to some of your other titles, I, I think I mentioned the the show Civic. You know, there's there's a a governmental connotation with the word <laughs> civic, but there's also a car called civic and you're using car window tints. And there's also a class signifier with these window tints. So there's like all these different landing points for that title civic, which, sure. which I thought was, um, yeah, nice. I, I like these things that are, they're, they're very specific, but they're intentionally really open-ended. I said, no, it's not a red herring, but it's intentionally yeah. open-ended. Like it yeah, doesn't yeah. mean it's not about one specific memory of this place in DC, right? but more that the fact that there's, there's no way two people can look at that title and have the same. For association. sure. For sure. I mean, I like that it's personal. I like that it's something that, you know, you know, these areas or, you know, these streets, Yeah, you know, why not use, utilize those as, as, the way to archive your work in the form of a title. I think sure. That's nice. I couldn't, um, I was so psyched when I thought to do that and I couldn't believe that I haven't, I don't think I've had a single DC title ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, titles are so tricky. I sort of DC is tricky also DC, the place. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Titlings are, are titling works. Some people love it. Like it's, it's like the first thing before the work even gets made. It's the dead fucking last thing for me. It's a, oh, completely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't love it. Yeah. So, sometimes I do have titles that I'm into, but yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it, it, you can, you like hit a home run with a title. Like perfect. Yeah. It fits. I feel good about that. Six months from now, I'm going to feel good about that. I'm not going to be embarrassed. But, um, at least that's something that I think. About. Yeah. Like, I always, why did I, I always think that? I'm not going to be embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, let's talk about your time in, Southern California. I think I think it's a it's a well-traveled road and it's a little bit tropey, but this whole idea of an artist that spent time as long as you had making work in New York, packing up, going with your partner um, to Southern California while she was at school um, and then staying there for a couple of years and making work there. I'm wondering from your point of view, what are the uh, the takeaways in terms of your psychology and emotional psychic space while you were being an artist in Southern California versus how you feel um, as an artist here in New York. I mean, we talked a little bit about this before we turn on, yeah. uh, we hit record, but I, I want to go back into that. Cause I think, I think there's, you know, maybe some value in sort of parsing these, these, 
these geographical art hub locations out and how they may or may not affect us. Sure. Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's, I, I think honestly for, for me at least, and I think for Jenny too, the best, I think we're really glad we did it. And it was, it's just a good experience. I mean, it's three years of our lives. We totally moved our, our lives out there, set up studios, made a bunch of work, adopted a dog, lived in a house for the first time in, in like decades for right. either of us. As opposed to an um, apartment. Yeah. Like yeah. To- total lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. Um, Did that feel good? That and, lifestyle change? Well, I, I think it's really easy moving that direction. Huh. Yeah. To, to LA, even though people will tell you LA is cheaper. It's, it's not really true. Right. And then we've moved back and we're like full steam hit the ground running in New York. Did it feel easier to make art there in any capacity? Was there an adjustment period, like figuring out who you are? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to imagine myself, like I've been in New York 20 years and I've set up small studios for like residencies or like when I go visit family and sure. I'm just like working on, in the basement or in a garage. Um, and I kind of, I, I have like a little bit of discomfort with that because it's unfamiliar and maybe if I spent more time, I'd figure it out. But was there like a little bit of a, like a holding period or a holding? Uh, well, absolutely. Yeah. And when we, when we moved there, it was going to be for six months. And I was, I was planning on not having a studio and not, um, you know, maybe actually doing some, some notebook sketchbook work yeah. and like planning projects, something completely portable. Yeah. And also, cause like I said, I've never really done that before. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't really work that way, but I, um, that was just the plan, but then pretty quickly we extended it to a year and then just to, to three. Right. And, um, uh, so I started looking for a studio and setting it up. And like, I, said, I love setting up a studio, which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. it's both that process is familiar, but each time it's in a new place. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it's different. I mean, you could work outside year round. Well, that's the other which, thing. I'm just wondering, like if it's that vitamin D, like there's more sun, you're sort of, um, there's an invitation to be outdoors, maybe a little bit more because the weather's, yeah, uh, historically more friendly. Um, I'm just wondering, like, yeah, how that might may or may not affect the work. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, uh, it. I'm sure it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I was, I was, I'm really happy to be back in New York. Right, and that's what she said. It's like first thing I said. I was like, I'm glad. We're, we're back. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. so glad. I, I I like L.A., but I'm, I think I just have been in New York long enough that it's always going to feel like home. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do. I'm trying to. We just moved upstate, actually, and I, I'm trying to, uh, as much as I can, sort of emulate the studio environment I had in yeah. Long Beach. That's, that's like another radical change in a lot of ways from New York to L.A. I mean, I could argue it's kind of a radical change. And then from L.A. to like a few months back in New York, then to the the a rural setting in upstate New York. That's right. another kind of shift. Yeah. I'm curious to see how if that affects the work too. Yeah. Well me too. Yeah. And I, I'm sure I'm sure it will. But it's it's also like you said, it's also sort of like traveling around these like very familiar um art centers, yeah, cultural yeah. centers. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it's like to actually be outside of one. Yeah. For a longer period of time. What about scene? I know you know like there's the um the arts community here in New York, which is, you know, um, a little bit of everything. It's very hyper. Uh, we could argue it's kind of cutthroat at times, uh, unfriendly at times, loving at times. It's kind of runs the gamut. What about the scene in LA? I mean, I think, is it equivalent, different? Is the pace or different? 
Well, I, I mean, in, in each city, there is 10 different scenes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you got your good and your it's bad. It's very plural. Definitely. Yard scenes, yeah. Um, and L.A. is... Um, it's hard to, it's hard to, to, to really appraise cause it's what, you know, we, I, I just moved there a couple of years ago, so I, right. I didn't really know. I don't, I've heard what it was like before and I don't really know, but there is, there's tons of small, um, small galleries, like alternative and artist run spaces mm-hmm. opening up right now. And it is still like a little cheaper than New York. So that can happen. Right. Um, easier than New York. They're all closing in New York. Right. More space in LA for artists to work. That's that's a, I feel like a, a narrative that's out there. There's more space. Yeah. Well, that's what there is, but there is a there isn't. Right. You know, if you have eight hundred bucks for a studio, you'll get a nicer studio. But it's still eight hundred bucks for a studio. Yeah. Or whatever. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're sort of talking about proximity to these art hubs and how they affect the work and how we participate in them. You know, you've, you mentioned this move upstate. You know, you're in the process of doing that. Is there any anxiety about like? like taking a dedicated deliberate step away from like a, the, the scene for lack of a better term in terms of like studio visits and getting eyes on the work and collectors ease being able to come by easily or, or are you at a place in your practice and in your life where like that stuff doesn't matter as much? Well, um, no, I mean, I think it totally matters, but it's, I think I am at a place in my life where I'm sick of moving around so much. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, we're in Brooklyn. We're in Fort Greene, Brooklyn right now. And um, where you've lived for quite a while prior to L.A. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. We, we lived here five years before we, we moved. And we've been here for the past four months or so. And um, our whole plan, is we, we, I don't have like an exact picture of how this is going to take shape. But the whole idea is we're going to be in, we want to be in proximity to the city so I can right. get here any any day of the week, anytime, you know, low overhead, have just a sustainable long-term situation, um, but so that I can be in, in the city and be connected yeah, to, yeah. to New York. Yeah, it's a few hour, couple few hours drive, so it's not a huge... Yeah, we're two hours yeah, away. Not yeah, not bad at all. Let's do a little bit more biography. We, you know, we talked about D.C. and growing up in the Washington, D.C. area. Do you remember what introduced you to art? As a kid, I don't have like a one, one thing. Sure. Um, you know, like I like drawing when I was a kid, but I, like, yeah. I feel like people say that don't, that's what yeah. kid, kids like drawing. You know? Yeah. Um, and um, I had, I did have uh, in, in high school, I, a couple things happened. I, I got not super seriously, but got into writing graffiti and sort of like learning about graffiti. Oh, cool. Um, that's like the cool part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I wouldn't have guessed that. I didn't, I had no idea you had like a graffiti background. Oh yeah, it's yeah. true. I had like a really, uh, really pretty short cause I was, man, I was 13, I think, and got arrested pretty seriously, uh, or, or for a 13 year old. Yeah, like yeah, felt, yeah. It felt really bad. Yeah. And it cut my like illegal career short, but, what um, was your handle? Can you share? Oh, I can't. I can't. <laughs> <You> can't. No. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of reasons I can't share that. This is one of those situations where um, the private versus public decision <laughs> in terms of what we share is important. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I also, I had a, I had a really good high school art teacher who mm-hmm. I thought was really cool and she was super, um, 
encouraging and like a lot of people i definitely took art because it was an easy a you know uh-huh. um but uh, i really liked it and then also my my sec the second half of high school like my junior senior year i took my county i guess was doing a like a vocational program. I don't even know what it's called, but I, I basically studied photography for half of the day every day. So I would get, and I, again, I took, I, I liked, I loved it. It was fun, but I had a, I had like a travel period where I got to leave my school and drive, like go, go to Taco Bell and smoke cigarettes and then go to <laughs> yeah. this other school, um, which is great. Yeah. Do you remember what you were looking at when you were kind of forming as a, young adult, a teenager in terms of visual inputs, films, comic books. I don't know. I mean, were you going to museums and galleries? Were you looking at contemporary art? I was, you know, yeah. So DC has great museums. It's true. And, um, so I kind of went all the time and that's just like, you know, the greatest hits of American painting, abstract expressionism, that stuff. Um, do you think those played a role in informing, who you are now or the type of work you they, made? They must have. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about this the other day um, uh, and try to figure it out. I don't know. Cause yeah, Jackson Pollock was somebody who for, for a while I was like really into and really impressed by. And I, I think it's cause he, I mean, I still like his paintings, you know, I'd hang a Pollock in here, Yeah, <laughs> but um, I'm like less interested now, but I do think, I don't know. Those guys were the first people to really make, have cultural power in their lifetime as a result of their work, which I think was, uh, was huge. Um, but, and then I, what like, so, so much else like skate culture, skate photography right. stuff. Um, yeah, I never really did it, but I kind of like, that was like my plan when I was like a junior in high school. It's like, I'm probably going to be like a professional skate yeah. photographer, skate photographer. <laughs> that was, yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. I, mean, I thought you were going to say professional skateboarder. No, no, no. <laughs> That's great. A friend of mine recently, I was, I was describing um, what I'm working on in studio right now to a friend recently and trying to like gear up for this, this project and sort of like poking him like, what do you, what do you think? What, what, what would you like to see me do? You know, sometimes I ask that, like, what, do, what, do, who do the, what, do, what do the people I trust think is maybe a smart direction for me to take or t- like slight turn in my studio practice? And the first thing he said was like, make something really ambitious. And I was like, well, what the fuck does that mean? You know, like make something huge, make some, something completely different. And I thought about that question um, into the into the rest of the day, and I suddenly started thinking about your show, Stadiums. Oh, that's funny. Um, as like that show that Graham did is is kind of that was ambitious, and like that's that's kind of my measure right now for for like an ambitious show, or at least right now in this little space I'm in. In, That's in, funny because you said you wanted to talk about that, but when yeah. you were just leading up to that, I I was like, "What is where's it where's going?" This going? This? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was also lit- that show was again like way before actually trying to get the pools or do any of that work. Mm-hmm. I w- that was one thing and um, sort of playfully, but I was like, I should do something really like quote ambitious. Yeah. You know? Oh, so that word entered your space. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But but, but I, almost. I don't mockingly for lack of a better word. You know? Sure. Sure. I, I want to describe that show um, briefly for listeners. Uh, it was a, a show at journal gallery in Williamsburg. What? Like four or five years ago. And you, you sectioned off p- 
pieces of above ground swimming pool and you had you had treated them almost like canvases you had painted on them and then you mounted them on wall the sections on walls as giant sculptural objects um so they weren't actually on the floor they were vertical so you're 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 changing the orientation how we usually experience an above ground swimming pool but they were massive they you know that galleries had 20 foot ceilings and they were going from floor to ceiling um, there was just a power in there and i think the scale of the works and sort of the attitude and spirit of the works played into that power i'm i'm really curious what the conditions were for you emotionally and in studio and where you were with like making work that led to that choice to make an ambitious show like that because i think while it's great to do that there's also like a cost to doing a show like that um uh, financially for sure like these are big fucking things and they take a lot of time but uh, you know that show um is still vibrating in my head and i just wanted to like kind of put that out there and just ask you how that came to be the I wish I remember. I wish that I don't think there was even a moment. It was the, a sort of uh, gradual development of that idea. And um, like everything I do, like there is this very kind of precise, formal evaluation of those elements that got me into thinking, like, aha, this really makes sense. And it's that it's that I I do I like that it's like I don't. I'm a little uncomfortable saying they're class signifiers per se, but right. there's this cultural association or people are going to project a cultural association yeah, yeah. to above ground swimming pools. Certainly I do. Um, Not dissimilar from window tints. Yeah. In, in a small absolutely. Way. Yeah. Um, but just, and then as an object and especially like I could do this one thing, which is, um, you know, flip it up on its side and hang it on a wall, present it frontally or mm -hmm. present the, the bottom of the swimming pool yeah. as the, as the picture or as the front. Yeah. It's completely reoriented. Um, and then it has this, it's like this aluminum structure that's suspending a vinyl sort of fabric or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's really just felt like a stretcher and a canvas yeah. on this giant and kind of dumb scale yeah. that I thought with a, like maybe too. a ladder kind of peeking out <laughs> yeah, in so, certain yeah, parts. Yeah. Right. Like, which was a nice little, I'm glad that you left those ladders in cause it's almost like, if you could get up there, you could climb in and yeah, yeah, hang out in this thing still. One of them without a ladder, but one was even just the complete pool. It's like 16 foot across circle. That's right. That's right. Um, well, almost looked like a radar dish yeah. when it was on the wall like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that show still has a place in my mind. Cool. Um, and I want to bridge that back into this ceramic, these ceramic works that you've been making that's that's in your current show at Halsey McKay because I feel like the scale is different but you know we sort of opened up talking about through lines I feel like I can bridge those pull works back into these works with like these you know kind of complicated support structures behind them with the painted surface as the last gesture on the front the shape of these things is, I think we pointed out, I pointed one out on the, uh, um, you know, it's got a curve, like an elbow, mm -hmm. not dissimilar from like the curve of one of the like sections of swimming pool you put up. Is that a reach for me to sort of connect, I guess, formally and maybe a little bit conceptually those, those works, those, you know, pool painted sculptures and these ceramic works that you've made more recently? Is that a leap for me? Uh, <laughs> you tell me now. Um, 
I do. Th- I mean, they're well, really similar. In the, do you agree with that analysis? Is is is? I do. Ex- the sh- the yeah. shapes of, of both, though, actually actually yeah. are incidental, and so they're, they're it's certainly not like okay, this ceramic work is a intentional callback to to no that right, shape. right right right. But um, but you have like an interest. It is in any that, any in shape in, in yeah. I mean, I it's funny because I do a lot of quirky shaped stuff. Yeah. That um, it's really hard for me to to figure out because I do I do not sit around like drawing quirky shapes and figuring <laughs> out like oh this is a cool one, um, and really the opposite. And you know a lot of the stuff that comes through that I wind up making, there's at least an aspect of it that I have a really hard time with personally, or yeah. it's like a material approach or aesthetic that's jarring to me or I don't like or think is ugly or but I think is gonna you know let people in or connect people or just do something or I think it's interesting because it's it's um it's pushes me away yeah yeah. I find it repellent so I'm like oh what is that um but a lot of the shapes there's at least like yeah they're incidental to the material the process they're found or um it, it, it's not authored by me. It's right, right. Yeah, I like this. Called out by me. I like this. You're honoring the shape of that pool or that section of pool. You're not altering it too much. And it sounds like, I mean, you mentioned the sort of contour of some of these ceramic pieces as incidental, um, as opposed to like, you know, you're not articulating that that notch out of that one there that kind of forms like a little oh, opening, right? You know, right? This like, one is, yeah, pieces will either break off or, I mean, I, I generally, and I do it, I'm, I'm pretty... I have a loose rein over it, but I'll roll out a slab and I'll right. basically start with the idea this is going to be a rectangular work. And then I let... Uh, it starts it, falling apart from there. It starts falling apart from there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to ask or, 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 or touch on that I think is interesting. You know, I mentioned um, that first show of yours I saw at Solo. I think, was it called Shade Tree? Was that the name of the show? Shade Tree. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and like since then, you've worked at all different types of galleries. You've worked at very big galleries. You've worked at smaller galleries. You've had shows at artist project spaces. And I really admire and appreciate that sort of presenting your work and sharing your work in these different contexts as opposed to only big galleries, for example. And I'm wondering what your takeaways or what, what you've learned from showing in such a range of spaces. For one thing, I mean, I just... Uh... I, I like to get to show my work and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I get to often, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, there's so, there's so much good art being made and pe- like most, a lot of people just don't get to show rarely. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've had good and bad experiences at all kinds of galleries, but definitely the best have been really small galleries that are not necessarily nonprofit or, or, whatever they're not technically alternative in any way they're right. just just a smaller operation yeah um what do you attribute that to do you think i think that it's definitely people running a gallery like that do it because they love it mm-hmm. you know without exception and there's definitely people running large galleries that do it because they love it but there's all kinds of people in the art world for the wrong reasons and they're not at they're only at the at, at a larger operation yeah 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 that's well said very diplomatic too <laughs> <All right. laughs> no i i mean I, I sense that talking to as many people as, as i've talked to is is you know there's there's like a 
an autonomy that I think comes with, uh, or like a, a lower pressure that comes with um, uh, showing in a space that's maybe a smaller operation and it, it's more intimate and there's there's better communication versus a, a larger space with a team where there's um, just more moving pieces and um, maybe more uh, reasons for putting on a show that might not be quite as awesome as you want them to be. Right. Um, yeah, so I get it. Let's talk about artistic hygiene. And I, I, I use that term to sort of to describe how we take care of ourselves emotionally and how we take care of ourselves physically um, so that we can sustain our practices. Because I think the physical labor of making work can take its toll on us. And that's something I'm reevaluating, like how I make stuff, because my body's definitely feeling it these days. And even in front of that, the mind, right? Like this stuff can like put, I'll speak for myself, but you're nodding in agreement. I can go into a goddamn wormhole and like not find my way out for weeks and I'm miserable and what gets it? What wormhole will, will you go down? Um, like why, why am I making this like that wormhole? Like they're the sort of oh, existential yeah. rhetorical questions Yeah, more about life. But I kind of like use that. I mean, studio and life are kind of like peas of a pod for me sometimes. And, um, I feel like I'm wasting my time. I love that stuff, though. Yeah, I do, I do that, but that's, I think, I mean, if I... And this I is my own value system, like, if it's coming a question, to the top, Exactly, yeah. but that's, for me, I, I do that all the time, but it's... I think if I didn't do it, it would... I'd be more concerned yeah. in the long run, Yeah, you know? And I guess it's, like, also, you know, my confidence wanes. I, I don't want to turn this into a full-on therapy session here, but, <laughs> um, you know, it's like, is this is this going to land the way I want it? Are my, my friends whose support's really important to me going to, going to be behind this move? Is my partner going to believe in it? Like her reaction to these things I make is incredibly important. So like, right. I like psych myself out and which is not, I think a lot of us do that. Well, that's uh, why so I'm just man, wondering, you know, know back to the, even... back to the original question, I kind of took us off subject oh, there, yeah. but like, how do we take care of our minds? Um, and I think like taking care, taking care of the body and taking care of the mind are kind of like, pieces of the same puzzle in a lot of ways yeah the body sure. holds the brain like healthy body healthy brain sort of thing but i mean do you have a system for taking care of yourself well yeah i do i do yeah. i think like totally um not it, it's art related only that and that I, I need to take care of myself to mm -hmm. to keep functioning but more more importantly just as a as a person you know yeah um and I do, I mean, it's, I, it's no joke. Like I try, I try to, I don't eat, there are people who eat much more healthy than I do, yeah. but I try to eat all right. I try to, I, I mean, we do some smoothies. I quit smoking a year ago. Mm -hmm. I am vaping a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, it sounds like you, you don't mind the sort of. Um, emotional torment of making art though sometimes, well, or that's like part anything, of anything. And I, again, I'm not, I'm not a therapist and I don't know. I'm, I could be wrong, but anything like that. And I, I do when, when I talk to other people about this who are, who are, um, you know, having any, any kind of like self doubt, existential crisis stuff. I am definitely, you know, lean into it. Don't, um, I think people have a tendency to get mad at themselves for feeling the way they're feeling. Right. And that's what exacerbates it. And so it's like right. said, it creates a rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's just, yeah. The feelings aren't facts, whatever. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. yeah. 
That's well said. Feelings aren't facts. But I also went art wise. That's why I really, um, I love to, and I think it is hard fodder. It, 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 I can't, it doesn't all, I can't always come up with these things, but I like to come up with projects that when I'm in the actual making process there, there's, it's not a question. Of, there's no way for me to second guess it. And it, part of that is like, it's built in. It's allowed to be stupid. It's allowed yeah. to be wrong or ugly or broken or what, whatever p- potential faults can be there are um, embraced. Yeah. Really. I'm going to throw this out there and just see what happens. You know, if you, have you ever thought about, a different identity if you weren't a contemporary artist, if you weren't someone making art, what you, type of person you'd be or uh, what you would be doing for work. Like, like alternate you, yeah. reality yeah. sort of thing. Um, <laughs> uh, Does anything jump to mind? N- no, and it, it's almost the opposite, whereas uh, when I was younger and, and not so long ago, I've, like I, I had, it took a long time. I'm still not totally... I didn't want to call myself an artist or like identify as an artist. Um, especially cause it's this confusing thing that I think anyone can relate to this where it's like, okay, but what's your job? You right. know, um, it is this worth it, but I, it, something's happened where like I've spent 20 years making art and I think it's good to be skeptical, have like a healthy skepticism of, you know, okay, I'm spending my days in the studio making art. What's the point? Whatever. But, um, all I can is now I have 20 years of experience. Just, you know, that is my life. I don't yeah. know that it's, it's real life, you know? Yeah. Um, I wanted to be a writer when I was younger, you know, that's something sure. I think in, an, in another world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have these things too. I wanted to be a, uh, special effects artist, Yeah, cool. like creature makeup, <laughs> you know, like that was my yeah. thing when I was like 12, 13. What about, consuming culture love it what stands out what are your recommendations right now what was the last great thing that dropped you to your knees maybe it was a book or a film or a show yeah we're watching rhythm and flow on netflix right now you really seen that? that oh it's so good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean there's a lot of really good things yeah. about it but um for one thing it's kind of crazy i know it's like reality tv so i know how it works but they do get like 40 contestants or something who are all amazing I'm not like a rap person yeah. really like I like it, but I'm not, yeah. um, but it's like impressive. There's so many like amazing kids. Cool. What about, um, and Cardi B is hilarious. Cardi B. Yeah. What about, uh, art? Have you seen any great art? Uh, like visual art? I, I guess I should qualify. Hmm. That's, that's harder. <laughs> yeah. Um, or maybe the, maybe, maybe that's enough. Maybe like pop culture uh, streaming through, you know, the, the interwebs. I'll say that, you know, I started, uh, this is not directly answering, but I was kind of only on Instagram for years, which is for art. I think like the social media platform. Yeah. And then post election, right. 20 late 2016, I got on Twitter and I just find I'm like, that's like most of what I do media wise. Posting or reading? Reading. I okay. shit post. I have like a totally anonymous account. Yeah. So I can um, just read. So stuff. I can. Yeah. And like talk shit if I want to. It's not I'm not like a serious troll, but like yeah. I, I had one in my name and then I found myself wanting to re- respond to stuff. But then I was like, I don't really want to be attached to this. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I just think, um, yeah, it's great. I don't know for me. It's really, maybe it's just because I, I do spend my professional life with like in the physical world, yeah, visual, physical world. Right. Using your hands. Yeah. So yeah. it's like a nice Escape. outlet other. For yeah, sure. Total. For sure. Um, what about the horizon? Are there any projects that you're looking forward to getting on top of? I know you're moving upstate. It's an opportunity to set up a new studio. That's probably a, enough of a project. But is there something that you, even if it's a, a, like a, a, an imaginary project or some dream, uh, uh, some project that you'd love to realize, is there anything that comes to mind that you're comfortable sharing? Uh, oh, I mean, there's nothing specific. Or goals or anything like that? No, I mean, right now, just like... Um setting up another studio and it's exciting because i'm setting we're gonna have uh i'm setting up both like a clay studio that i'll work with working with jenny mm -hmm. and a wood i have a you know like, this is what i did in la it has like multiple spaces and you know we just bought this old house so just dealing with that is a it's yeah a whole it's an art thing. project in yeah. itself fixing it up yeah that's great i mean i think having a space that sort of answers all your different modes will be nice yeah you'll have like like this room for that, that room for that, or this section for that. I think I think that could yield some pretty pretty cool results. Totally, yeah. Graham, thank you for sitting down and talking with me, uh, and and I'm glad I got to see some of these ceramic works in person. Finally, um, you know, I've always admired your work and and really appreciated all the different approaches and turns and twists and touch and materials. Um, it's really important stuff in my wheelhouse. So thanks for being part of this project. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much. We've made it to the end. A quick reminder that Deep Color is independently produced and a free resource for listeners. Help support and sustain this project by making a donation online at deepcolorpodcast.com. You can also learn more about each contributing artist, find links to their online portfolios, and access the archive of past recordings. Be sure to share this project within your community and subscribe and rate in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Thanks for listening, and check back soon for a new episode.